Good morning. Welcome to Sunday Morning with Love and Action. I'm Ken Tuck. I hope you are having a good Sunday morning, and I hope you are ready to dive into the Word of God with me today. We're going to continue our study of the 50 Commands of Christ. We're going to start out today with number 27. But before we do, let's go to our Heavenly Father in prayer. Father God, we come to you in the name of Jesus, thanking you for this day. Thank you for this opportunity to open up your word. And Lord, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for your Holy Spirit who teaches us. And we ask you, Holy Spirit, to teach us, lead us, guide us into all truths. We thank you for your salvation that you give us freely through your Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus, we praise you. We thank you for loving us so much that you went to the cross and died on that cross for our sins. And then, Father, you raised Jesus back to life on the third day, so all who believe shall not perish but have eternal life. And I pray for those listening today who have not made that decision. I pray today is their day that they call out to you, Jesus, and surrender their lives to you. Father, I lift up each person listening today. I pray for each and every need. God, we thank you for the Joy FM, and the opportunity to share your word across the airwaves and across the internet. Father, we just ask you to just touch hearts today, God, and we just pray that you'll be glorified. Father, we love you and we praise you, and it's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Okay, let's begin this morning with command number 27 in the 50 commands of Christ. Number 27 is honor your parents. Our key scripture is Matthew chapter 15, verse 4. Jesus says, For God commanded, Honor your father and your mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. Now, this was not a new command. We can go back into the Old Testament and find some scripture that talks about honoring our mother and our father. Let's look at Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is given you. There's a promise there, right? If we honor our father and our mother, our days will be lengthened. Our days will be longer. Exodus chapter 21, verse 17. Whoever curses his father or mother shall be put to death. So we can see these two scripture out of Exodus. Jesus is saying that in Matthew chapter 15, verse 4. Now let's look at a couple other uh, verses from the Old Testament that talks about this. Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 16 says, Honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God commanded you, that your days may be long, and that it may go well with you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. In Leviticus chapter 20, verse 9, For anyone who curses his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. He has cursed his father or his mother. His blood is upon him. So to whom did Jesus give this command? That we read in Matthew chapter 15, verse 4. Well, at this time, he was speaking to the Pharisees and Jewish teachers of the law who came from Israel to scrutinize Jesus' activities, which they did often, often looking to find fault with Jesus so they could bring charges against him. But as we look at the context of this, the historical context of this scripture, we know that over the centuries since the Jews returned from exile in 538 BC, that hundreds of religious traditions had been added to God's law. The Pharisees considered them all equally important. Many were not bad in and of themselves and actually added richness and meaning to life, but just because traditions had been practiced for a long time doesn't give them a sacred standing, and if they were fundamentally wrong, it doesn't make them right. And this is true today as it was then. 
Think about the traditions added by the Catholic Church from 300 A.D. on and by other denominations from the Reformation in 1525. The tradition that Jesus was criticizing here in Matthew chapter 15 was one that allowed a man to make an offering to the temple rather than support their parents. So they weren't honoring their parents. They were taking that offering to the temple and not giving, not supporting their parents. In this Eastern culture, and especially uh, in, in these days, the Jews were really supposed to honor their parents and take care of them. But this new law that they had added to God's laws gave them an out. And so they took an offering to the temple instead of supporting their parents. And this was known as a Corban and became a religiously acceptable way to neglect one's parents. So it gave them an excuse to neglect their parents. And one reason the Jews liked this so much was that these offerings were made publicly. Therefore, it brought accolades to the givers. So they could kind of say, hey, look what I'm giving to the temple and have people look at them and pat them on the back, which we know that's not how we are supposed to give unto the kingdom of God. Let's look at Mark chapter 12, verses 41 through 44. And as he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box, many rich people put in large sums. And a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. This story is also recorded in Luke chapter 21, and Jesus is emphasizing that this widow, this poor widow woman, gave out of her poverty, not out of her abundance. She didn't have abundance. She gave what she had. So the Pharisees and the Jewish leaders who were taking advantage of this Corban, this law to be able to give the money that they would have normally given to their parents to help their parents, to honor their parents, this gave them an out because they wanted to give it to the temple so they could be seen and receive accolades for giving money to the temple. And that's not what it's all about. So Jesus is telling us through this story, we need to honor our parents We need to make sure we're taking care of them and giving them honor. And again, what if your parents don't deserve honor or you don't think they deserve honor? Well, that's something that you've got to take to God. And you need to seek reconciliation if that's at all possible. If it's not, then you still got to release forgiveness to them. And if if they weren't good parents and they didn't treat you right, there still needs to be forgiveness. And we're going to talk about that in some commands coming up that we must forgive which doesn't mean that what your parents had done to you was right, but we still have to forgive. Also in Matthew chapter 15, the last part of it, we see that those who don't honor or who reviles their mother and father must surely die. You think, wow, that's pretty intense. That's <laughs> that's pretty strict there, isn't it? Well, we have to remember Jesus was talking to the Jewish leaders and therefore referencing the law that God gave through Moses to the Jewish people. He's referencing that. And we think today, the capital punishment, you know, there's such a big divide. Uh, Either people are for or against. Nobody's really in the middle of that argument. But looking at the Jewish law, the Jewish study Bible, 
uh, says the death penalty may be meant only rhetorically as a deterrent, though it could be meant literally because of the potentially serious consequences that cursing was thought to entail. So you either blessed or you cursed. Again, we got to think of first century Jewish people and, and those living under the law. Jesus is referencing that to them. You got to have it in that context. And there are 23 capital crimes in the Torah. And of course, the Torah is first five books in the Bible. There's eight religious practices that can receive the death penalty under the law, eight sexual practices, and seven miscellaneous crimes. This was one of those. As time went on for more and more of these offenses, Jews suggested that the death penalty was actually rhetorical and only stated in to point out the serious nature of the offense. So they didn't really think that they should carry out the death penalty for that, but that it just enforced or enhanced the seriousness of that offense. Today, there are only a few crimes such as murder, kidnapping, and certain rapes which Jews believe are deserving of death. And in fact, leading rabbis in Judaism today tend to hold that the death penalty is a correct and just punishment in theory, but that it should not generally be used or not used at all in practice. So that just gives you some context of where that scripture is coming from. But we need to honor our parents. We need to make sure they're being taken care of and give honor to them. And it's not just about money. We need to to show them respect, and we need to show them love, and we need to be there for them. So let's honor our parents as Jesus commands us to. Number 28, beware of false teaching. Now this is a, well, they're all good ones. So this is a very good one because we have to be aware of false teaching. And Jesus tells us that. Let's look at Matthew chapter 16, verse 6. And then we're also going to read Matthew 16, verses 11 and 12. Jesus said to them, Watch and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. In verses 11 and 12, How is it that you fail to understand that I did not speak about bread? Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Then they understood that he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of bread, but of the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. So Jesus had to often explain the parables to his disciples. Here, he was telling the disciples that they need to beware of the teachings of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. Jesus likens these wrong ideas, these wrong teachings to yeast. That's what we're talking about, leaven. What does that mean? Can one small wrong idea get you in trouble? If so, how? Again, these are questions that when we teach this at Love and Action, we have a small group. The conversation is great, and it's wonderful hearing each person share their thoughts on this. And then you take it all back to the Bible for what Jesus is saying. And yeast is put into dough to make it rise. And for those of y'all who are cooking, y'all are saying, well, Ken, we know that. But hey, there's a lot of people out there who's never made bread like myself. <laughs> and you need to have yeast to make it rise. And it only takes a little yeast for a large batch of dough. So Jesus used it as an example of how a small number of incorrect ideas or teaching could affect a large group of people. So to answer that question, does a small wrong idea get you in trouble? Most definitely. It can cause big problems, and we, we've seen that through false teaching. Uh, it didn't just happen then. It happens now, too. There's false teaching out there, and we got to be careful. We need to beware. That's why we need to know 
the Bible. We need to know what God's Word says. That's why it's so important for us to to be in His Word and to be studying it. And we need to understand it. We need to understand the interpretation of it. And Jesus is telling us that right here. The wrong teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees was deceptive and led many people astray. These false ideas are huge today. And not just started by evil people. Some people believe that during the transitional phase between life and death, God offers a dying person one last chance to repent and believe. You know, there's no purgatory, but that is taught, isn't it? After we die, that's it. We don't get another opportunity to decide if we want to believe in Jesus as our Lord and Savior. That has to happen now while we are alive here on earth. There's no chance after death. It's either... We receive him now and we go to heaven, or if we don't, if we deny him, then hell is eternal destination because hell is real. Heaven is real. And we need to make that decision on which way we're going to go when we die. And I pray that each one listening today will make up their minds. The decision in their heart will decide today that they want Jesus, that you want Jesus as your Savior, as your Lord because he loves us, and you get to experience that love. You get to experience that life that he gives us, and then you get to experience eternal life forever and ever and ever with Jesus, and not in hell where it's constant torment. And I've said before, it's not a unconscious state of mind where you, you don't know you're there. People in hell know they're there. They know of the torture that's taking place, and they know they're eternally separated from our loving God. And so that's why I'm always asking people, and especially here on the radio or in person, during ministry times at Love and Action, wherever, that do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? If not, oh, let today be the day that you call out on him and give your life to him so he can write your name in the book of life and you can experience the love and the life of Jesus Christ. Another false teaching that's been out there for eons is that mediums or so-called Christian mediums can communicate with the dead and get advice from their deceased loved ones. That is such a lie. Those mediums, those people who are in that practice, they're communicating with demons. You don't want to communicate with demons. So don't get caught up in that mess because that is nothing but a lie. When our loved ones die, they've gone into eternity either in heaven or in hell, and you can't communicate with them. So don't get caught up in that mess because that's just a lie straight from the pit of hell. There's other things out there that people will start, you know, a false idea, a lie, and it just causes havoc and causes chaos. Uh, There was a huge issue back in uh, May of 2001. Uh, It was claimed that James Robinson, a focus on the family, claimed that atheists had petitioned the FCC to get religious broadcasting banned from American airwaves. And that was completely false. But yet hundreds of thousands of people signed letters and petitions to the FCC opposing it. They were opposing something that wasn't even happening. It, It wasn't real. It was completely false. And then there's the lost gospel that the British Library recently translated back in April of 2016 by Professor Barry Wilson and another professor. And those reports, that translation that they did was reports before the period of Jesus' life described in the Bible. And they write that he became engaged and he got married to Mary Magdalene and had sexual relations and fathered children. And all of that became a movie called The Da Vinci Code. Just completely lies from the pit of hell that people gravitated towards. And none of that 
is true about the life of Jesus. Jesus lived a perfect sinless life here on earth. And he didn't get married. He didn't have sexual relations with anyone. He didn't father any children. Just these false ideas, these lies that people start advocating just causes so much chaos and leads so many people astray. Just like Jesus was talking about the Pharisees and Sadducees, how their teachings were leading people astray. And we could go on and on about these lies, these false ideas, these conspiracy theories, whatever you want to call them. Uh, Just go to Snopes.com and you can check out their archives. And there's literally thousands of false ideas that are in circulation today. And some just keep repeating over and over over the years. Don't get caught up into that. Be in the Word of God. Know what the Word of God says and stand strong in your faith on Jesus Christ. So how can we judge whether the spiritual teaching that we are receiving is healthy or dangerous? Well, here's some scripture. Let's look at it. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. All Scripture, not some of it, all Scripture in the Holy Bible is breathed out by God. It is God's Word to us. And that's why we, we've got to be in His Word. we got to know what His Word says. We need to, to study it, to interpret it, and to apply it to our lives. So we got to know the Scripture. we got to know the, the Word of God. First Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. Now the Spirit ex- expressly says that in later times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared. Their consciences are seared. Man, do we ever see that going on today? That people just, even some people are like, oh, I know what the Word of God says, but I really like what this person's saying over here. Even though it has, it's, it's totally against the Word of God. But the Bible says that people will depart from the faith. And unfortunately, people are, but... The Bible is true. It's God's word, and so he knows. And it's just like when the Israelites, we read the Old Testament, how they they followed God, and God did all these miracle signs and wonders, brought them out of Egypt, parted the Red Sea, fed them for 40 years, didn't let their clothes and shoes wear out for 40 years, brought them to the promised land, defeated all their foes, and gave them what he said he would give them. And then they turned from him and started worshiping all those fake gods of the people who had lived in that land before them. And you see that happening today. More and more people turn from God and are either turning to a a false religion or just turning to really just selfishness. And the Word of God tells us that these things will happen. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 8, Paul writes, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, And by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reproof, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded." Endure suffering. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. 
I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day, and not only me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. So Paul is just pouring himself out to Timothy here and to all of us. And he's telling us that there's coming a time when people will not endure sound teaching. They have itching ears. In other words, they don't want to hear the truth. They want to hear something that will please them. Because the truth isn't always comfortable, is it? But we need the truth, the truth that comes from the Word of God. So we have to be careful of false teaching. Don't be led astray by the charlatans that are out there that are preaching and teaching a fake doctrine. Stick to the Word of God. Make sure that you study to show yourself approved. In other words, study the Word of God. Know what His Word is saying. So when you hear somebody teaching and preaching, you know that it's the truth or not. I also tell people, hey, check out what I'm teaching, the scripture that I'm using. Go and check it out for yourself. We all need to study and know the Word of God. Number 29, deny yourself. Let's read Luke chapter 9, verse 23. And Jesus says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Matthew chapter 10, verse 38. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Mark chapter 8, verse 34. And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So what does it mean to take up your cross? And how about to deny yourself? What, what does all that mean? At that time, telling somebody to take up the cross and follow me was a very hard teaching. Today we think of the cross as, as a symbol of salvation, a symbol of forgiveness bought by Jesus. It's not unusual to see people wearing necklaces and earrings of the cross. But back then, the cross was the worst form of capital punishment there was. It was not a kind thought to pick up your cross. And that was a very tough teaching at that time because the cross was an instrument of death. So Jesus is saying here that to follow him, it takes total commitment, even unto death, if you want to be a disciple of Jesus. Cross-bearing includes a willingness to suffer and die for the Lord's sake. Today, that means being willing to publicly identify ourselves with Jesus, to experience almost certain opposition, some obvious, some hidden, and be committed to face possible ridicule, suffering, and even death for his sake. Have you ever thought about that when you say, I'm a follower of Jesus, about taking up your cross and following him, even if it means death? To deny yourself means to cease to make yourself the sole object of your life. If this present life is all that matters to you, you'll do anything you can to protect it. You won't want to do anything that might endanger your safety, health, or comfort. But if following Jesus comes first, you may find yourself in unsafe, unhealthy, or uncomfortable places. Think about helping to build a home for a family living in a Guatemala city garbage dump or helping erect a wall to keep bandits out in a village in Bangladesh. You might truly risk death 
in such places, but you will not fear it because you know that Jesus will raise you up to eternal life. As a disciple of Jesus, we are told not to use our lives for our own pleasure, but rather for honoring and glorifying God in the service to others. We must deny our selfish desires to use our time and money in our own way. We need to set aside those things, set aside self and focus on God, live for, live for him. Many times ministry is, isn't convenient. You may think, man, I'm going to watch a football game this afternoon, but somebody needs my help. So what are you going to do? You're going to go help, help that person. Or are you going to watch football? Or you got an opportunity to teach discipleship lessons to somebody. And it's, it may be during the time that you're wanting to do something else that has nothing to do with kingdom work. We got to make a decision. Are we going to live for Jesus or are we not going to live for Jesus? I'm not saying you're not ever going to watch a football game. I sure, I sure do when I have time to. That's not the number one thing on my mind on Saturday afternoons. We need to remind ourselves that this life is not about us. This life is about Jesus. It's about bringing him glory, about bringing him honor, about lifting up the name of Jesus because there's so many people dying without him. And as I mentioned earlier, when people die without Jesus, hell is their destination. And we need to to understand that because if we do, then we'll want to be telling people about Jesus and we'll be more willing to deny ourselves of things that, that would satisfy us to go and tell somebody about Jesus, to go and make a disciple on a Saturday afternoon or a Sunday evening. We need to live this life for Jesus. This life goes by way too fast. And next thing you know, we're, we're facing death. As every one of us, we don't like to talk about it, but every one of us will die one day unless Jesus comes back first. And so we need to know where we're going And if we know we're going to heaven, then we need to tell others about Jesus so they can have that opportunity to make a decision for Jesus so they too can be going to heaven. And if you don't know where you're going when you die, then I want to encourage you to call out to Jesus right now. Ask him to forgive you for your sins. Tell Jesus that you want to give your life to him, that you want to live for him, and that he is your Lord, that he is your Savior. Confess that. Romans 10, chapter 9 tells us to do that. If we confess Jesus as Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. So I encourage you to call out to him. Give your life to him today. We'll never, ever regret that decision because I can tell you from personal experience that living for Jesus is so much better than not living for him. Life is full, life is complete. There's joy even in the tough times, and his love is just off the charts. (laughs) You've never experienced love like the love of Jesus. If you have any questions, feel free to contact me. Our phone number at Love and Action is 334-494-4995, 334-494-4995. Or you can email me at ken.tuck at loveinactionministries.com. That's Ken.Tuck at loveinactionministries.com. I'd love to hear from you. And if you made that decision, I'd love to give you some next steps as well. We are out of time, but I once again want to thank you for joining me this morning, 
for Sunday Morning with the Love in Action. I hope you will join me again next Sunday at 10.30 a.m. right here on the Joy FM. Until then, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.